Hi, I'm Brooke Lowesby, and thank you so much for joining the Law Life Coach podcast. We are here highlighting innovators who are making the law a healthier and happier place to practice. And joining us today is Mark Fingerman. Mark is an attorney, a mediator, and a mindfulness teacher. Mark, can you tell us a little bit more about what a mindfulness teacher is? Sure. It can mean a lot of things these days. And uh, my teaching is based on primarily three things. It's based on uh, breath work. It's based on uh, yoga uh, and traditional yoga postures. And it's based on uh, mindfulness awareness or mindful awareness, which um, uh, one package that holds a lot of that is called emotional intelligence. Hmm. Something that maybe a lot of attorneys don't naturally come equipped with. Um, well, I like to think we are naturally equipped with it and we forget as, as we're raised in, in, in our culture and that what we're doing with uh, mindfulness-based emotional intelligence is simply reminding us or reminding ourselves of, of our true nature. I love that. Can you tell us a little bit about how you use this practice, especially for attorneys who are working in high stress environments, how they're able to use some of these practices to really promote their own well-being? Yeah, I'd love to. It's, it's part of my mission. Uh, uh, what, I, what I do during the day, uh, either teaching or uh, working as a mediator, I just change clothes, basically. It's, I'm doing a very similar practice. Uh, which is really paying attention to what other people are doing both externally and internally and not like, you know, looking at them like, you know, like trying to figure out, figure them out or anything. It's just, it's just in a very open, spacious way, just paying attention and paying attention to what matters to people. And in particular, paying attention to their emotional content because so much of what um, lawyers do as professionals, and I was one of them and, um, and did it very effectively, which is to divorce the emotional context from what we do, because there's this idea that it clouds reasoning and, uh, and it gets in the way of getting, getting the job done. And uh, it's otherwise, you know, irrelevant because all that really matters is, you know, uh, essentially I was a trial lawyer, litigator, you know, what are the facts? What's the law? How do we put the two together? But then here's where you become aware of emotional intelligence. How do I then package that? to present to a jury. Mm-hmm. I don't package that to present to a judge or an arbitrator. They're human beings. So we then, and every trial lawyer knows this, whether they realize that they're practicing emotional intelligence or not, they are. Because what they're doing is, here's the legal case. Now here's how I fluff it up and color it so that it appeals on an emotional level to the jury. A bit, you know what's fair, what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, what's 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 pleasant, what's in, unpleasant. So here's the thing that I tell my uh, clients who are lawyers is that I don't care whether you do this cynically or for what I think are the right reasons. If you want to learn mindfulness just to become more effective as a lawyer in manipulating people, that's fine. Because if I'm doing the training. You know, and if you do the practices that I teach, your, your heart's going to open up. You're going to become more compassionate and caring whether you want to or not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just going to happen because for a very simple reason, it just feels really good. 
and it's very effective and people trust you and they keep coming back to you and you win, you know, you get the job done. So could you maybe share a story around that of somebody who's maybe put this to practice and some of the results they got? Well, you know, it was, it's interesting you, you asked that because as a trial lawyer, um, I, I started to learn about this just by trial and error. Nobody was teaching me, uh, but after my very first trial, uh, I second chaired and I, there were three other senior lawyers on the other side. And uh, this is back in the day when you actually had camaraderie and we went out to dinner with the other lawyers after the trial. In fact, this will really date me. You know, we went to Chasen's in Los Angeles, which probably most people watching this will go, what? Some people will know. Uh, real old school, you know, drinkery kind of restaurant that professionals industry, entertainment industry people went to. And one of the lawyers turned to me and he said, you know, I know I saw you watching how we were, we were trying the case. He goes, my best advice to you is this. Don't try to be me. Don't try to be Greg, you know, your senior partner. Because just find your own voice, find yourself. And so when I started preparing for my own trial, when I had my when I was first sharing my own trial, I was petrified. What is my voice? And finally I defaulted to just be authentic. You know, just don't make it up. Don't try to be anything. Just just speak from the heart and do this. Tell the truth. Hmm. Be authentic and be authentic, true to my feelings and true to what I know to be true. And don't misrepresent anything because it's, you know, the old story. It's much easier to remember the truth than it is to remember your lies and, and keep, keep track of them. Um, and also, you know, in my heart of hearts, I really care about justice. So it was kind of a natural for me. So in my trial practice, I won most of my cases. And, and the, the ones that I didn't win, I think for the most part, we knew they were losers and I was just, you know, sort of containing the damages. And so that then once I got into mindfulness practices, studying yoga and then meditation and uh, things of that sort, all of a sudden the light went on. I was like, wow, I, I've been on the right path. I just didn't know it. And now I've got tools uh, to use for that. So uh, my wish for anybody watching this is, you know, Get into this stuff a little bit. Find out how to open your heart. Find out how, how to be authentic and be, and be truthful and sincere with people. And that's much better than trying to act or make stuff up or, 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 or intentionally manipulate them emotionally. It's just, it's, it's so much, and it feels great at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, you hear a lot of uh, lawyers who are just unsatisfied with the practice of law, and especially it comes up with opposing counsel, um, it, it, and talk about a new way to communicate, like a heart-focused communication, you know, just, to just be honest and open and, and heart-centered with opposing counsel, that, that could really change and impact your whole, your whole experience in being an attorney. It, it can. It's a very tough road, though, I have to say. It's a tough road. Um, when you're in a like-minded community, like if we had a community of, you know, yogi lawyers, it'd be a great, a wonderful world, right? Because we, we'd have a, a similar context. But here's where the real work comes in, is dealing with people who, who not only don't they want to do this, they're, they're the antithesis. They're lying, cheating, they're doing whatever. They make everything personal. If you say it's Wednesday, they'll say it's Thursday. You know, I mean, going up against that on every level 
I, I, my heart really goes out to lawyers these days because it's becoming worse. It, it's becoming a more cynical, self-serving environment. Very difficult to not fall into uh, uh, playing at that level. But it's not just a nobler thing to rise above it. It's more effective. Mm. I mean, for example, when somebody's bullying you, uh, whether it's in person or in an email or something, the most effective thing you can do is, set, is just nod and listen and not react to them and just let them run out of steam. Because that's really the only thing we have control over is our reaction. Exactly. And you, if you look historically, I mean, Gandhi and his movement threw the British out of India without firing one shot. And he did it by maintaining presence and holding space for these people. And he would just nod to them and he'd say, I'm sorry you feel that way. I can see you're in pain, you know? <laughs> In words to that effect, mm. and and didn't fight back and just and stayed but stayed strong. It wasn't he wasn't a weak man. He was a little guy, but he he physically got beat and stuff, and you know stood up to it. So anyway, yeah. I, so we really have to be warriors in this in, in this practice of law to be able to yeah. to use these practices, um, these med meditation techniques. I mean, I remember when I was when I was an attorney. Every day was so stressful. I mean, my neurology just went off the charts. Just it, it was fight or flight like every single day. And as a result of that, you know, I, I was so burnt out that um, starting to try to even meditate, my mind was buzzing so much. It was very difficult to calm down. And I remember the way that I started. I first started with yoga, actually, because I needed to I needed to do something with my body to just let my body rest and then allow my mind to be able to start to enter into a cozy and familiar place. I, I, I think that's a very common experience and, and that was mine as well. Um, uh, one of the things I teach that my teacher taught me is that um, you can't take somebody who is very high strung and heavily caffeinated and sleep deprived and have them close their eyes and try to quiet their mind. Right. One of two things will probably happen. They'll, they can't possibly quiet their mind because it's just like a rat on a wheel. Or they're going to fall asleep, or both. They'll, they'll, they'll just be sitting there distracted and they'll just start snoring because, because of all those things. So um, in what I've seen, what's been effective for me and what I teach and I've seen being effective, is that the first uh, uh, thing to deal with is the body, like you said, and the nervous system, calming that down. With, and it doesn't have to be yoga, but the breath work is, I, I guess it doesn't have to be breath work. I don't know what else replaces that. It's so effective. Is learning breathing techniques that calm the nervous system down. Um, and then getting some form of exercise. I mean, yoga is great. It's very, uh, but, you know, cycling, jogging. Right running, you know, something cardio. Uh, I, to me, I can't just have yoga. It's not enough. I need some intense cardio, like cycling or mm -hmm. surfing, stuff like that. Um, but uh, so it's first calm the body down. And then these practices uh, are able to flourish and to take root. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is what is the mind and what's it doing? Um, the goal of the meditation of mindfulness-based meditation is not to quiet the mind, although that happens from the practice. 
the goal is just to learn that we don't have to get caught in those in those churning thoughts that that's not our mind that's one aspect of our mind there's a deeper awareness that can that you become aware that it's there it's this pool of stillness and from this pool of stillness we can watch the busy mind or kind of just let it do its thing off to the side and then pay attention to what we want to pay attention to, like our breath. We keep coming back to the breath. This trains us that we have the ability to not get caught in thoughts, to not get caught in emotions, but to stay in this sort of even plane, which for lack of a better word, equanimity comes to mind. You know, stay in an equanimous state where you're present with the world but not being thrown around by it quite so much, not being buffeted by it, able to stay calm, the wind kind of blowing through you instead of blowing you around. So important for lawyers and even more important during right now in the middle of the 2020 quarantine, yeah. um, it, it, where a lot of people I think can feel victimized or out of control, especially with their thoughts and all the information that you know we're being overwhelmed with that tends to be pretty negative. Yep. Now it's, um, it's funny people ask me, so how are you doing? And you know, to people that know me, I said, well, I'm actually doing quite well because I'm enjoying the fruits of 20 years of practice. I mean, I've literally spent the last 20 years preparing for this because I got to tell you, I, I, I get it. And, and uh, you know, the fear that's out there and the uncertainty, I experience it there are moments when I experience it myself, but I, I'm aware that I'm experiencing it. And I'll, I'll kind of sit with that for a while and then let go of it. And, and I think that's, that's the main point is that we become observers of our thoughts. Exactly. And we realize that we are not a victim of our own mental patterns that, you know, neurons that uh, wire together, they fire, they're fired together, they wire together. So we can continue to change those default neuron pathways based on our own affirmative directing of our, of our mental thoughts. That's, you just touched on one of the core aspects of my work and um, that underpins it. It's called neuroplasticity. Mm. Neuroplasticity. It means that no matter how old we are, um, we have the ability to generate new tissue. It's uh, the brain, it, it works just like muscle tissue does that when you use a certain region of it over and over again, it, it grows new tissue to support that activity. So they, they measure cortical thickness in people. And they, for example, uh, you know, musicians have a part of the brain that's thicker than other people. That's the part of the brain where music happens and you have to remember notes and, and the colorations of tone and things like that. Um, and so, um, that is why mindful developing mindful awareness. Sorry about that. Uh, I wasn't mindful to turn my phone off, was I? Before the, uh, <laughs> oh, um, um, developing mindful awareness is like weight training uh, or strength training. Uh, it's a cumulative practice. The more you do it, the more you're able to do it, and the better and stronger you get at it. So it's. People say, well, you know, I can't sit for 20 minutes. And my response is, well, I don't want you to. Why don't you sit for three minutes, but do it every day. And then, you know, go to four minutes when you're ready and go to five minutes when you're ready. 
Just yeah. like anything, we don't pick up the weight training and expect to go to 100-pound barbells, right? right? I mean, it's just uh, – and here's the good part about it, uh, or one of the interesting parts about it, is that it will work whether you think it will or not. It's not a belief system. You're structurally changing the way your body is. You're adding nerve tissue. You're teaching yourself to a new skill. And you, it's kind of like, um, uh, you know, if you were trying to learn to ride a bicycle, but you thought you could never do it, and you kept practicing and practicing, eventually, it doesn't matter what you think, your body's own sense of self-preservation will require you to learn to balance on a bicycle. And, you know, that little thin part of your mind that's doubting it will be overwhelmed by the deeper part of your mind that wants to preserve your life and pass your genes on. And so it'll, it'll learn to ride a bike, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, you know, although meditating is not exactly a, 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 a life threatening situation. Although one of my teachers tells a story of when he was a monk living in an ashram in uh, uh, somewhere in the, in the uh, East, uh, he had a bad habit of falling asleep in meditation, even when he wasn't sleep deprived. And you know how his teacher cured him of that? He had him sit on the edge of a well with his feet hanging over and meditate. <laughs> Self-preservation works, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, maybe, you know, you can find some version of the well if you, if you have that thought. <laughs> so I'm curious, Mark, because you're plugged into so so many law firms too, and, and kind of have experienced uh, the trend of you know meditation at first, you know, in this industry being very woo, very out there, and now starting to become a lot more uh, accepted and and even ingrained into to the legal community. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of trends? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean it, it's. Kind of like what we're doing right now using uh, uh, teleconferencing or, or video conferencing. Mm -hmm. uh, this has been around for years and available to people for years. Uh, uh, lawyers are just figuring out that this can be effective now because of what's going on, because of the, the pandemic. Uh, uh, it's an obvious tool that has been available that is so effective uh, for all level of professionals, all, all professional fields. Um, uh, meditation, mindfulness, breathing, all of that stuff, um, uh, as effective as it is, um, you know, I get, I get a lot of interest from people, but very little follow through on it. I think that the, those of us in the profession that are doing this is still a very small percentage, even though it's so, it's so beneficial on every possible level, you know, uh, in terms of uh, life satisfaction, you know, lawyers, uh, uh, especially litigators, you hear are very unhappy and they're kind of trapped. They have their student loans to pay off and now they have a, you know, their expensive car they have to pay and they start to develop a lifestyle. They call it the golden handcuffs, mm -hmm. right? Um, and they feel trapped, but who's trapping who? You know, it's, it, 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 there's people who manage to live fulfilling lives living in prison. Okay, and how could you live a fulfilling life in prison? Because you fully accept where you are and live in your present reality and live as, as humanely and ethically as you can with the people around you. So for lawyers who feel dissatisfied or, or, or under too much stress from 
their practice, look inside and look for ways to change, as you mentioned, how it is you experience what you're doing. Because how you respond is up to you. How you react is up to you. Boy, that's that's the truth. You know, I've uh, worked with many a clients who come to me and they're uh, really unhappy in their job. They say, there's no way that, that this position is ever going to work for me. And working together, just by changing our own outlook, the way that we're perceiving the situation, it's funny because nothing else will change. The same people, the same attitudes, the same working conditions, but everything changes. Their whole demeanor changes, their attitude towards their work changes their outlook, their happiness can all change just from a few switches up here. And, and there's a cascading effect. Um, if you're happier doing what you're doing and if you feel comfortable doing what you're doing, other people can sense that. And they're going to give you, you know, if you're in a law firm and you're trying to, you know, to work your way up, guess what? If people like you, you're going to do better than if they don't like you. It doesn't matter if you're doing, if you're doing great work, if you're not a likable person. If you're unhappy with yourself and unhappy with everything else, guess what? You're not going to be very likable. You're not, you don't even like yourself. But once you get at least to a neutral place, and now, very important, I'm not saying you've got to love what you're doing. It's, it's important, uh, and that's a great way to, to live if you can achieve that, to love what you're doing. But I'll settle for liking it if you can manage to like it. And as lawyers we have such a, a wonderful opportunity to be of service to people. I mean, um, uh, if we take our roles as, as uh, professionals and as servants to heart and really put the client's interest first, and I, I used to train my associates, here's what matters, okay? Here's the pecking order. There's the firm, your clients, your family, then you. That's the order of importance. Your first obligation is to protect this firm, you know, and, and don't say that publicly because clients won't want to hear it, but that's your first obligation. Protect the interests of this firm. The second is to protect the interests of your client. Now, if you're protecting your client's interests and that's your foremost goal, you're probably going to be looking out for the firm, but sometimes the client's interests might diverge. So we want you to err on the side of protecting us. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then your family, take care of the people that, you're, that, you, that you care for, and then yourself. And guess what? If you take care of those three things, you're going to be happy because you're taking care of everything that matters, that supports you. And, and there you go. But if you're only looking out for yourself and, and your interests, your perceived interests, and, 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 and getting things for yourself, you... you it becomes evident to the rest of the world that that's what you're doing because you're not really engaged. You don't really care. You know, you're, you're just playing a game. So that's a lot. That's easy to say, but it's a lot. And, and, but it's a shift that practice a little mindful awareness, you know, notice where you are and just keep reminding yourself of those things. Try it. All I can say to people is give it a shot. I think that's right. And I think, you know, reminding ourselves to ask ourselves the right question. And that can be really how, how can I be of service? How can I be of service to my firm? How can I be of service to my clients? How can I be of service to my family? And yeah. all that will be of service <laughs> to ourselves. Yeah, 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 indeed. Well, Mark, I could keep talking to you forever. Thank you so much for, uh, for being on the show. How can uh, the listeners find you? Um, well, 
Glad you asked that, Brooke. Um, they could go to my website, which amazingly is called markfingerman.com, M-A-R-K-F-I-N-G-E-R-M-N.com. And that's my uh, personal website uh, uh, for my uh, uh, functional mindfulness uh, training. Um, and then embedded in that is a link to my uh, website for mediation, which is fingermanmediation.com. And it's all mindfulness-based. And um, uh, there's some good information on both sides, by the way. It's not just about promoting me. It's promoting um, the container, if you will, that I live in. This, you know, mindfulness and ethical and spiritual container. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's how to find out more about me and to get in touch with me. Well, thank you so much, Mark. And thanks to our listeners. And uh, please subscribe to the Law Life Coach channel. And thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.